Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. night last night. I mean, let's get right to it. Yesterday, we saw, I think, the worst coach team offensively in college basketball, and that, ladies and gentlemen, was Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes and the Tennessee Vols were so god-awful in the last, I don't know, 10 minutes of the game. Here was the offense. Throw the ball to some big stiff who can shoot. Big guy. Their biggest guy on the left side. They did this seven straight times. Everybody get to the other side and expect the seven-footer or 6'10 guy to make the play. I'm telling you right now, if I were the athletic director at Tennessee, I'd say, Rick, I love you, but you got to hire somebody in here that knows how to run an offense. You got to hire somebody in here that understands movement, that understands movement without the ball, handoffs. You can't just throw it to your big guy. Honest to God, if you go back and watch, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Left side every time. And here's the deal. Dukies, how soft are you? How soft are you, Dukies? Let me tell you what Florida Atlantic University did. They stuck their nose right into Tennessee and exposed the Vols as straight bullies. I mean, Tennessee went away so fast, it was ridiculous. They couldn't go away quicker. I mean to tell you, I said it in the first half, I said it at halftime. Yes, Tennessee has a better team, but they ain't winning. Because Tennessee got outcoached. Dusty May did a great job. Not a good job. Dusty May did a great job. They whipped the ball around their guards. Boom, boom, boom. Did whatever they want. Even in the first half. When they got down nine, they only, Florida Atlantic, got down nine because they were missing shots, not because of any great stifling defense. And then, of course, Euros Plazic acted like a complete idiot coming down the court. He's knocking people around, cheap shot. And, folks, Tennessee got exposed as nothing more than a bully. Nothing more. And Rick Barnes, if you want to know why, everybody says, well, Rick Barnes doesn't have success in March. I'll tell you exactly why Rick Barnes doesn't have success in March, at least in the game yesterday, because that offense is God ridiculous. They're paying a lot of money to a lot of people. Look, when you look on the sidelines of a team and you see a bunch of suits on SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12, that kind of ACC teams, you're seeing millions and millions of dollars. And you would think one of those guys on Rick Barnes's sideline could have an understanding that it's bad business to throw it at 20 feet to your center and stand around opposite and expect this guy to do anything other than desperately pleading, hoping to get rid of the ball via handoff. Now, here's the beauty of our show. We got to give credit where credit is due. And Dusty May and his team, they just out-toughed him. And here's Dusty May on our show from earlier this week, talking about the toughness aspect of this game. Here's Dusty May, the coach of FAU. Tennessee, they famously tough. Everybody's complaining about how physical they are. They got Duke down in the mud. What do you see out of Tennessee? 
that incredibly phys- physical, intense. They challenge everything. They're going to challenge every catch, every every post position. And and I and to be honest, I didn't watch the Duke game until uh, last night and this morning, so I had no idea. I heard on Twitter how physical it was, and and then uh, the first thing that, that popped into my head when they asked about Tennessee was uh, Australian rules football because it's physical without pads, and and all of a sudden everybody's up in arms about that. So I, I made a joke. I've caught a lot of heat. I'm going to have to deactivate my Twitter account. Um, but yeah, to me, it's a compliment. If you said, man, Dusty's team is physical, they're tough, they're aggressive. I'd be like, thank you. That's, that's what I want you to say. So I, I didn't realize saying that, uh, Tennessee's extremely physical was, was that insulting. I, I would take it as a compliment. I, and that's exactly right. You did say that, Hey, we're going to study Australian rules football and it blew up. Like, I don't understand why, look, basketball doesn't have to be played the same way every place, and referees want to call it. Patino told Coach Knight and I, we foul on every possession because the refs aren't going to call them. All right, it's isn't it up to kind of the referees to dictate how the game's going to be played and your guys to play your way? 100%. And, and, and when you play like that, you've got to be able to drive through some contact. You've got to be able to play off two feet, and you have to adjust because – you never know how the game's going to be called, and 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 the officials they want to they want a clean, smooth game as well. So there's a lot of variables, but we can't get caught up in that. But we know we're going to have to. We say you're either the hammer, you're the nail, and we're I think we're 330th in in height in the country, and we're we're we've been a consistently top 25 rebounding percentage team. So um, you know we're we're going to have to be the hammer, and and hopefully that that's enough because they they're physical, they're aggressive, but. Um, coach, you you could you know I, I laugh now. Back in the '90s, Coach Knight was doing the the defensive rebounding percentage and, and all those numbers, and now they're they're considered modern day analytics. So, uh, pretty cool <laughs> when you think about it. It's exactly right. I mean, look, Dusty May's team out physical Tennessee. Tennessee should be embarrassed. I mean, not only how they played, but how they acted. And I, I look, Rick Barnes is a terrific coach, but my God, I mean, that was a absolute blank kicking and good for Dusty May. That's the best coach team in the thing. By far the best coach team. I mean, I'm watching everybody else. Marquise Noel and that team might be second. And speaking of Marquise Noel and Jerome Tang, what a fun story to watch in the garden. Noel right from there. And he just unloads. I mean, 20 points, 19 assists, setting an all-time record. Mark Wade had it against Indiana in the national semifinal in 1987. They lost, by the way. We got a national championship ring and five steals, including a steal at the end that cost a lot of people money. That had, oh, I don't know, Michigan State plus three and a half. No names are included in that. But Noel did everything. I heard Dick Vitale say it was the best passing exhibition that he's seen. I got to tell you, I feel the same way. You saw what the value of the pass can do, didn't you? You saw the value of a guy that can take it into bad situation and play his way out of it. And Noel absolutely did that. Yeah, we all got a little tired. And Marquise cut the 30-footers just because... I mean, we get it. You're putting a show on. That's the only negative. It was like, holy cow, cut the 30-footers. He did, and next thing you know, he got him a win, and man, was it fun. It was fun after. I wish we could play it for you, but Jerome Tang talking about love. He's all fired up. You know, the play where they were supposedly arguing, and then boop, Keontae Johnson gets a dunk over his head. Fantastic. You saw a lot of heart out of Kansas State. You saw a lot of heart out of Michigan State. A.J. Hogard probably played his best game, but what I didn't like, and Tom Izzo's a friend, I thought Tom Izzo uh, didn't handle the postgame right. He talked about some lucky shots, and he's not wrong. 
Look, if you watch a basketball game, there are some lucky things that happen, including Noel hitting a three uh, at the shot clock buzzer off of one leg, banking in a three. He's right. He's not wrong. But you really, you got to be careful saying that. I watch golf a lot, and frankly, you can tell who's going to win a golf tournament with about three or four holes to go. Who gets a lucky break off a tree? Jordan Spieth made a lot of money hitting it off a guy's knee, for crying out loud. Uh, Tom Izzo isn't wrong, but I would have liked to have seen him you know, not necessarily bring that up. Luck is a tough thing to say in a game that damn near two, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the damn near 200 points were scored in. But you know what? His team played great. His team fought hard. Yeah, nobody really guarded. I thought both teams were very, very easy to score against. Uh, and that was shocking to me. But, you know, at the end of the day, Jerome Tang and his crew, how about the inbounds play? They started circling guys, probably, uh, popped Ishmael out to the right corner, got it, shot it, nailed it. Uh, Big turning point in the game. But anyway, great, great games, those two. I heard somebody saying, well, you know what? The Kansas State-Michigan State game and the uh, uh, Florida-Atlantic-Tennessee game aren't the same game. Yeah, they're the same game. Look, we got 8 billion people or whatever you have in this country. We're not all supposed to think alike. We got 352 NCAA Division I teams. We're not all supposed to play alike, and games have been absolutely glorious. UConn's best team going. I change until tonight when I watch Alabama, and I say Alabama's the best team going. But UConn just went out and spanked a very athletic but unprepared, really, for that kind of size and length. Not that they were unprepared for Eric Musselman. He and his staff do a great job. But it looked to me like the players were a little bit surprised by the length and the size Uh, of UConn and the tenacity. And I love Danny Hurley. I do. My friend Seth Greenberg kind of mentors him. And he talks about Danny having out-of-body experiences. Like he just loses his mind and he becomes something over here. Uh, Danny Hurley did not lose any players in the portal. He coaches people incredibly hard. He doesn't, he's no nonsense. He is really a lot like his dad, who was exactly the same way. And Danny Hurley is moving on. And what a great moment for him. He got to put his son in at the end of a Sweet 16 game. And our friend Kevin Harlan did a great job of just mentioning every kid, which I thought was very, very, very cool. Um, Jaime Hawkes, he lost. But Jaime Hawkes, look, I know in Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis should be a first-team All-American. There's no questioning that. Edie, first-team All-American, that's great. But Jaime Hawkes deserved to be a first-team All-American. That dude put on a show, 29-11-3, and three, every big bucket late, but it wasn't enough. The old Chris Jenkins play, little handback, kid from Gonzaga. Now, when he lifted up the shoot, what were you thinking? Like, I was thinking, what the – and he dripped it. Drew Timmy, man. Before the game, Drew Timmy was described – by Jay Wright as one of the all-time great NCAA tournament players. And a lot of the media twerps brushed off the crumbs on their shirts and disputed that. Well, he dropped 36 and 13 against UCLA. Now, let me say that again. Uh, Drew Timmy dropped 36 and 13 against UCLA in the NCAA Sweet 16. Now, I don't know about you. But you can tell me Michael Jordan's one of the all-time great NCAA tournament players. Yeah, he had a game winner, but he had 13, nine against me, in the NCAA tournament's sweet 16. Like, we can go by reputation and how they were as a pro, or we can go by how they played. And I got to tell you, Drew Timmy's pretty good.
Drew Timmy's pretty good. Let's put it that way. Nobody has better footwork. He gets around the rim. He figures out a way to make the bucket go. And, of course, we have to do this. Well, he's not going to be a pro. Who cares if he's going to be a pro? Why would I care if he's going to be a pro? I don't know who's going to be a pro, and frankly, I don't care who's going to be a pro. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not paying him, and frankly, I don't watch him until the playoffs. But I do watch college basketball, and I got to tell you, Mark Few can coach him up, and Drew Timmy can go play. I mean, really, 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 really play. Really play. And Mick Cronin embarrassed himself, too. Bad whistle. We got fouled. We missed wide open shots. You could tell by Mick Cronin's reaction that it really sticks in him that old Gonzaga is the beast of the West. You can tell. You don't make those comments against a team that doesn't kind of have it in you, like right inside. They got it like, man, I can't stand losing to these. You know what I mean? And Mick Cronin embarrassed himself. That's too bad, too. Look, uh, Mick Cronin is uh, like a mafia tough guy, a hitman kind of guy. And it's really kind of funny to watch the evolution of him from a junior varsity coach uh, where he was just hanging around Damon Flint, Damian Flint or whatever his name was, to now he's like this mafia Don guy that we're all supposed to be afraid of. Stop it. Just stop it. I like Mick Cronin. I like him a lot. I think he's a heck of a coach. I think he's probably a pretty good guy. Seems to be, always has been with me. But I got to tell you, uh, these coaches after games kind of talking about, well, we got hammered. Well, every foul was not called. We got a bad whistle and we missed shots. All right. I'm not saying you don't make your case publicly down the road, but and it's hard not to. It's the easiest thing in the world for me to do is sit here and say that because no one was a bigger jag than me. Seriously, nobody was a bigger jag than I once we lost. It's just the way I was and the way I am, the way I still am. I mean, you see, you hear it here. I take shots at anybody. I'm settling scores on shows. It's what I do. It's who I am. Sorry. Again, we're not all supposed to be the same. I would like to be the same. So while I understand what Mick did, I wish he didn't do it. I do. I just wish he didn't do it. Gonzaga played a heck of a game. They played another one of those epic-type games. Uh, the team with the ball basically last won it. And on Tiger Campbell's miss at the end, if you see it again, if you see again after the shot was made and UCLA is down three, they've been showing it this morning on SportsCenter. If you see it again, watch the inbound to the kid at half court, can't remember his name, and Tiger Campbell runs and gets a great look, kind of a longer version of the old Valpo play from years ago. Well, the kid for Gonzaga, when the ball is thrown, he just stops and looks. Tiger Campbell goes, that kid would have felt bad for a lifetime. He got lucky, baby. Yeah, he did. And I guarantee you, his coaches are talking about that in a film room, probably on the bus ride home. Hey, come here. I want to show you something. This is why you got to play 40 minutes. See you? You stopped. You turned, you watched the ball go. You know what Tiger Campbell was doing? He was sprinting down the court. They got it. They threw it to him. He had a look. Had he made it? Ooh. Hey, much respect, though, to Jaime Jaquez. I've said it before. I tweeted it out last night. The entire Jaquez family, mom and dad and aunts and brothers and cousins. I mean, we had a whole family full here. And they're just great people. And I don't think he has another year, but if he does, I hope he uses it. If he doesn't, I hope the Pacers draft him. It's, it's that simple 
to me. It just is. I mean, that's just the way that I look at the business. We're going to get into previewing. Yes, I got my brains beat out yesterday. I had a way too much money parlay (laughs) that included UConn with a W. That included Tennessee getting beat by FAU. That was nonsense. Almost. I, I do look at it this way, though. I'm watching the UCLA-Gonzaga game, talking about gambling, and I saw something where I'm like, you know what? UCLA is probably going to come back and win this. And I was going to try to chase. You know what I mean? I was going to try to chase, and I said, nah, I ain't chasing. Well, they came back and tied it up. I was a little bit mad at myself for not chasing, and then I saw it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Hey, my man David Hookstead is going to join us. Now, I'm a little irked. Uh, I watched Seinfeld yesterday, and Seinfeld used the word irked. It's irksome. I got to talk to David Hookstead about this. David Hookstead, who I love, has gone out of his way to criticize ESPN's front page for having two women's basketball stories. Now, he's catching a lot of hell, right? Clay's catching a lot of hell because he says that the woke agenda Uh, is hurting the NBA, people want to know what the woke agenda is, blah, 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 blah. He shouldn't. Hookstead should be catching hell. And I'm going to talk to him right now about this. You put, I think this was going too far. I got to tell you. You know I love you long time. But you're going too far criticizing ESPN, who has the women's tournament, has to promote the women's tournament, You're going too far criticizing them for putting two top stories of the women's tournament on their front page. I feel that's beneath you. Well, Dan, let me let me push back on that. Let's have let's have a respectful disagreement. ESPN paid a little bit of money for these women's games, right? They want to broadcast women's games. I understand what they're doing. Totally get it. They don't have the men's rights. They're doing what they're doing. But Dan, here's what I would say to that. Even on the best day of the women's NCAA tournament, I love female athletes. My girlfriend's a former pro athlete, okay? The NFL is more important. NFL free agency is more important. Uh, The NFL draft's more important. And the men's tournament, even if there's not a game on that specific day, is still significantly more important. And you know how I know that, Dan? TV ratings tell me that's true. 500,000 roughly watched the women's tournament. I believe the men's tournament averaged 11 to 13 million. It's not even close. And if people want to kick and scream and now live in this land of delusion, well, we all have to pretend that that's what it is. So be it. But I tweeted what I tweeted. I stand by it. it. It's maybe the fourth or fifth most important story of the day. But you understand it is their thing, right? It's their tournament. So we want to put eyeballs and narrow that gap, right? I mean, it was on a day off. Uh, I get what you're saying. I, I, I look, I, I totally get what you're saying. Women tell me that the ratings are way up. Is that not true? No, the ratings are up. That, that's 100% true. The ratings are absolutely up for the women's tournament. That is a completely true and honest statement. But, I mean, what, what are we comparing it to? What's the measuring stick we're using? Yes, Ratings increase in going to half a million or 600,000 viewers. That's really, really good. It is a drop in the bucket compared to what other sporting events currently going on get. I think that was the point I was trying to make. I think anyone who looks at the data knows it's correct. It is what it is. Like I said, if people want to throw a tantrum, let them throw a tantrum. 
Never argue with a man who has facts on his side is what I always say. Yeah, well, that's that's a good that's a good rule to live by. If you have one rule in life, maybe make <laughs> make it that one. My well, I have three. One of them is sack the hell up. One of them is no good deed goes unpunished, and one of them is be careful what you wish for. I've ingrained those three in my children's lives. <laughs> it, those are all very good rules. If you're watching this right now, you're an OutKick fan. You probably agree with all three of them. Yeah. Hey, Oates and Saban. Saban, uh, we thought took a shot. He says, I don't watch Nate Oates' press conferences, which I actually buy. I don't think I ever watched a football coach's press conference. Uh, give me your take on that little back and forth, tete de tete. I 100% don't believe all these Alabama fans, talk about delusional people living in the clouds, who are claiming that Saban did not know that Nate Oates several weeks ago said wrong place, wrong time. You don't have to watch the press conference. That was all over the news. Are we supposed to believe that Nick Saban doesn't watch ESPN, doesn't read the front page of ESPN, doesn't read OutKick? Nick Saban's probably a huge OutKick fan. We cover that, so I know he saw it. Nick Saban's problem is this. This is why he's upset. It's very reasonable. Nate Oates has brought unwanted attention on the Alabama Athletic Department. And now every decision with an Alabama athlete, football or basketball, is going to face extra scrutiny because Nate Oates didn't punish Brandon Miller. And Nick Saban, the last thing he wants is more eyeballs on his football program. I think anyone would agree with that. So then they take this photo op, right? They take this photo op, look, we're best friends, and maybe they are. That's just PR 101. Anyone dumb enough to fall, not realize what that was, you, sh you should be appalled with yourself. It, look, I, I respect what Saban said. There is no such thing as wrong place, wrong time. Certainly not when serious uh, situations have occurred. Um, are we going to see a ban of TikTok? I, I saw some completely ridiculous save TikTok congressman who I would argue is probably being paid by TikTok uh, say them Republicans don't want that smoke or I don't know, something incredibly stupid. Are we going to see TikTok go away, stay? What's going on here with TikTok? Well, it's either going to get outright banned or it's going to be forced to be sold to an American company where the CCP, the dirty communist ruling party dictatorship, genocidal dictatorship, I would say, in Beijing can't, can't rule. This is simple, Dan. During the Cold War, we never would have allowed the Soviet Union to put something in this country that gave them access to the data of 150 million American citizens. We would never have allowed it. But we will allow China through ByteDance in TikTok to gain as much intelligence, as much data as they want from everyone's cell phones. And finally, Democrats and Republicans, for the most part, agree on this. This is the one thing they agree on. We can't let the CCP, the genocidal communist regime, infiltrate this country. It absolutely should be banned. It's disgusting that it's not already banned. We Stop. cannot let the Chinese win. Hold on a second. I don't know why this turned on. I'm telling you. You get around me, the world is nuts. All of a sudden, I'm telling you, Siri listens to me. She, I didn't even say, did I say, hey, Siri, in this? No, and all of a sudden, it's playing. China, got it. That was China right there. That was probably they China. They're listening. That's right. Do you think, do you think that uh, a guy, a congressman, a congresswoman that defends TikTok is either one, ignorant to what TikTok really is doing, or two, paid by TikTok somehow, some way. 
Could be both. Could be both. Could be that they're incredibly ignorant to, to the Chinese and what they're doing with the data collection through TikTok. And they could be taking lobbying money from the tech industry through TikTok as well. There is no excuse for any American, certainly not an elected official whose sole responsibility is to protect the United States of America, to defend TikTok, to defend the Chinese. Dan, I want to make this crystal clear to everyone watching this. The Chinese government, not the Chinese people, the Chinese government is an evil, evil government, the most evil regime on the face of the planet today. The fact we're even doing this whole song and dance, like we're pretending they're not, is gross. If this was the Cold War, the Soviet Union was treated with extreme hostility. We should do the same with the Chinese. They are eager for war. They are eager for global domination. We cannot give them one inch. Not one inch, Dan. Why? Why do you think we don't? We have, I mean, frankly, we have weak leaders. We have weak leaders who don't want to go toe to toe with people they perceive, you know, economically, we're, we're intertwined. They just don't have the gravel in their stomach for the fight. Ronald Reagan was willing to go toe to toe with the communists and the Soviet Union. He was willing to tell them what was going to happen. Now we have essentially a feeble old man who doesn't know what day of the week it is on any given day running the country, and he doesn't want to deal with the Chinese. Just hope and pray the leaders at the lower level and our military leaders are ready for what's coming, because I'll, I'll make a prediction right now. We will be in some kind of limited engagement with the Chinese within five years. You can take that to the bank. That seems like that's the start of World War III to me. Oh, it probably would be. And what the Chinese are doing is they're building fake islands in the South China Sea and they're daring people to stop them. And at some point, us, South Korea, Japan, we're going to have to stop them. And when we do, are they going to back off? Or are they going to start shooting? I think most military people you talk to at the highest levels will tell you they expect them to shoot. And, and then you're going you're gonna to have a crisis on your hands, unlike anything we've seen. You know what? One of the other uh, things in my life is weak men cause hard problems. The guy just said it in our YouTube chat, and I've always thought that, you know, weak men cause a lot of hard problems, man, and we're seeing it. Oh, absolutely, because hard times are caused by weak men, and those hard times then breed hard men that give us the easy times. It's cyclical, right? It's a system that just turns and turns. Weak men, frankly, are responsible for the situation we're in right now, as a country as a whole, and I'll even go back to the lowest level possible. Weak fathers, are responsible for the raised teenage men are being raised, the way college men, they grow up, they have kids, same thing. You gotta break the cycle. There's nothing wrong with toughness. I'd rather be tough than weak, because when your back's to the wall, the cards are on the table and the bullets are flying, trust me, Dan, you want tough guys in that foxhole with you. Oh, you talk to them all the time. You, you talk to them constantly. Um, and you know, I'll tell you about tough guys, and this is what I like about talking to you. Everybody else around here is a damn, Tennessee homer. Tennessee got exposed as a bully last night. Tennessee got exposed as, you know, the kid uh, Vargas in A Christmas Story who was beating up the little kid, then the little kid whooped his backside. FAU took the vows to the woodshed, baby. That was real toughness. Yeah, I love that second half surge. That second, I, I got to admit, I feel guilty. I didn't know FAU had this basketball team down in Boca Raton or wherever it is. These guys are gamers. I mean, this FAU team has been so much fun to watch. They beat Memphis. They then beat FDU. They come in the second half and they smack Tennessee around like they stole something. This FAU team might be the most fun team to watch in the tournament. Now they're in the Elite Eight. Anything can happen. How cool would it be to see this team make the Final Four? It would be awesome. 
You know, I said that one time on ESPN. I said, man, he's running like he stole something. And uh, I got killed for being a racist, except it was a white guy. Thank God. It was a white guy running. It was always one of my lines, run like you stole something, you know, and my, somebody said that to me, maybe when I was a kid. So don't be racist saying run like you stole something. Uh, well, uh, my apologies to the people at ESPN and, and the wokes or whoever. Hey, guess what? Criminals come from all different backgrounds. I say it as a term of endearment. Right. I want to see that speed. I want to see that speed, that elusiveness. You know, get out there and get shifty, escape. That's what I like to see. That's what I mean, Dan. Yeah, me too. Hey, uh, Big Ten guy, Izzo goes down. The flag is buried. The uh, You can make the argument. It's a crappy argument because it's just one day that the Ivy League lasted longer in the NCAA tournament than the Big Ten. Big Ten got some thinking to do. Look, here, I wrote, I wrote about this at Outkick.com. You can all go read it. The Big Ten had twice as many teams in the college football playoff, two of four, than they did in the Sweet 16, one of 16. I think that's 6.25% of the Sweet 16. They had eight teams. Eight teams got into the tournament, and one, one of them got past the first weekend. Now, is it an off year? Maybe. But here's the problem, Dan. We've talked about this many times. The Big Ten, again and again and again, seems to falter on the big stage, certainly in college basketball. I don't know what the fix is. If it wasn't for Tom Izzo, they would add zero. It's crisis mode. It's embarrassing. I'm a Big Ten man. I got Badgers football helmet behind me. It's it's embarrassing. I got to hold my head, hang my head in shame. They need dynamic recruiters. I was going through this, a couple friends of mine that are coaches, college coaches, and I'm like, all right, take the head coach, take the assistant coaches. It's really not very many dynamic recruiters. Now, everybody also tells me this. The NIL and your collective is going to determine your recruiting. Well, frankly, all these schools are massive schools with huge budgets. Uh, the Big Ten should dominate with the SEC and maybe others, maybe maybe the Big 12. But if it's the NIL and the collectives, the Big Ten should be dominating basketball. Yeah, I don't think it, NIL is the issue. Ohio State has a big collective. Michigan has a big collective. Right. The Badgers have a big collective. NIL is not the issue. I think the issue is simply this. They play a style of basketball that, that just doesn't translate well when you get into some of these powerhouse teams, these more athletic teams. You look at the style, the Big Ten basketball, which is sexy. I, I'm sorry, it's not sexy, but I love it. It is grind you out. It is physical. It is, I'm going to beat you up down low. That doesn't work well if you get into a run-and-gun run gun game. And I don't have a fix for you. Look at the Wisconsin team from 2015. They were kind of, they broke that mold. They were very athletic. They ran the court very well. And they, they went to back-to-back -back Final Fours. Michigan's done it before. Michigan State's done it. But this slow, physical, grinded-out style is not meant to win in March. It just doesn't. You know, to your point, I tried to tell people, you know, I, I, as a uh, AAU coach, I coached against Decker, and then I coached against that guard. Uh, God dang it. He was really, really high. Uh, Koenig. Uh, Koenig something. Bronson Koenig. Bron Bronson Koenig. Bronson Koenig. Yeah, I said, you know, I get it. You guys think because they're kids from Wisconsin, and frankly, they're white kids. They're not athletic, but you're out of your freaking mind. Sam Decker is a good athlete as there was, to your point. And I look, uh, a hell of a game. The little kid, I know you're not supposed to say that. That's why we do. From Kansas State was absolutely phenomenal. It took that kind of effort to beat Sparty. But the fact of the matter is, there's no big team, 10 teams left. It, it, there's just, there's, that's the fact. And you got to figure it out. 
there's none left. And, and, and here's the other thing. You saw Tom Izzo at, in the postgame said Kansas State, you know, those big plays, a lot of them were just lucky. Got to admit, didn't like Izzo saying that. Don't blame luck for losing a game. Just don't do it. I agree. Izzo is a friend of mine. He came on the show this week, and I love it. But, you know, I, I get it. He's being honest. There is an element of luck when you bank one in. There is an element of luck when Noel you know, shoots one off one foot. I get all that, but I would also argue that maybe on the other end, you had a couple shots or a couple things happen for you. That's kind of how uh, I always felt. And Mick Cronin, the same thing. I don't know if you saw his press conference, but he was talking about we got a bad whistle and missed wide open. Wide open shots. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great shot by Gonzaga to win that thing, though. That kid pulled up from deep with all the confidence in the yeah. world. That was That was epic. You know, it's one thing to make a shot when you're tied. You know, it's a big difference between we got the ball, we're tied. He was down, and he lifted up. and I think he was down. Maybe it was tied. I don't know. Maybe I got it wrong. But long story short, hell of a night. All right, let me ask you before we go, does San Diego State have any shot against Houston? Mm, I No, no, I really don't think so. I love this Houston basketball team. They, they just – they're just fun. Now, they are banged up a little bit, to my understanding. I don't know, or they were last week, and I don't know if they still are coming yeah. tonight. But, no, they'll crush. I'm sorry. They'll, they'll crush San Diego State. I'm sorry. It's San Diego State against Alabama, Miami against oh. Houston. Hey, I, I, I did want to let, get, let you go. Is Trump going to be arrested? Uh, I put it at 70%. Yes, there is 0% chance the case goes anywhere, though. Yeah, I'm with that. I think that's a good – I'm going 30% now he gets arrested, and there's a 100% chance that the case goes nowhere. I guess I put it a little yeah, different than you, but the same thing. Yeah. Same, same outcome. He's not getting convicted in New York of anything. No. Hey, uh, what's going on with your podcast? Who are you talking to? Well, uh, I just did an interview with Dan Schilling, who was a uh, hero down in Black Hawk Down. He was an Air Force guy that what they call a combat controller. That'll be out in a couple weeks in April. He's a Buddhist, very intelligent guy, fascinating individual. You can check it out on YouTube, outkick.com. We've had some great guests. Hey, we're here to honor American heroes, and I feel like we do a good job at that. I think you do a great, great, great job of it. Go to outkick.com, look up David's stuff. Thank you, my friend. Have a great weekend. You too. Yeah, I got to get back on track with the gambling. I don't see there's any way that Trump gets arrested now. I think the heat on this clown prosecutor uh, who's trying to make a name for himself, both racially and politically, uh, it's getting too hot. All right, we come back. I got some headlines for you, including, would you want Trace Jackson Davis back if you were Indiana? Would you want Zach Eady back if you were Purdue? Those questions get answered or asked about a guy that averaged a double-double, and I think there's serious questions when we come back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
Hey, welcome back. We got a monster for you coming up here today. Emma Jo Morris, who has Hunter Biden's hard drive in her apartment, uh, is going to join us. I love talking about the Biden crime family. I just do. I know it's not the most popular topic right now, but before we get into that, that's coming up at 10 o'clock. And of course, we've got our TikTok videos uh, coming up with Haley as well. But here's the deal. Are you ready? Armando Baycott is coming back to North Carolina, and it made me think, do you want him back? Now, the answer is going to be, man, he got a double-double, man. He gets a double-double, man. Okay, he gets a double-double, man. All right, fine. Well, guess what? Uh, I want to win. They got a kid from Gary, Indiana named Washington sitting there waiting to play, and I wouldn't be surprised if that kid doesn't transfer. I mean, you can only sit behind a guy for so long, and Baycott... I don't know. Baycott, to me, looks like one of these guys that's about Baycott. And North Carolina, I've, I've said this forever. When we went to Indiana, you weren't about you. You were about us, we, Indiana, that kind of thing. You just were. When Baycott and guys go to North Carolina, it's the same thing. Maybe even more so than Indiana. Dean Smith, Roy Williams, they had that thing lined up. Bill Guthridge. They had it lined up that this is about, you don't care, uh, line up. Uh. Not about Hansbro, although Hansbro gets the glory for playing well at North Carolina. That's how you kind of looked at it. But this guy Baycott, to me, you know, he looks to me like somebody that is about Baycott. Look, he's not an NBA player because he plays below the rim. He seems childish to me. Do you want him back? You just had a very, very bad year. I'm just... Say whatever you'd like, but North Carolina, Indiana had bad years. You lost double-digit games. You embarrassed yourself at different times. That's not what teams of that ilk are supposed to do. So the problem isn't necessarily the talent. The problem, as the talent a year ago at North Carolina went to the championship game, it is about approach. I would not let Baycott back unless he changed his approach. Well, I'm going to transfer. Good, transfer. Hell, we didn't win with you. And two years ago is a long, or a year ago is a long time ago in the world of college basketball. Says NIL didn't have anything to do with it. Okay, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not going to judge that. That's on him. But I will tell you this. When I watched North Carolina, it seemed, what is that old line? It seemed like a hand. It didn't seem like a fist. Everybody out here doing their own daggone thing at different times, like stars twinkling. Each guy trying to be a star, each guy trying to be his own entity, and that's bad business, and it's embarrassing in North Carolina. Because, again, you know, the old adage, who's the only guy to stop Michael Jordan, and it's true, Dean Smith. So he comes back, I would hope, I would hope that Hubert Davis, and I think he is, would be tough enough to explain to this guy, look, you did not help us last year, you hurt us. Now, I don't know whether we do that anymore, but you should. Uh, Foster Moreau reveals his cancer diagnosis. He uh, is going to step away from the NFL. He's tied in with the uh, Raiders. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Like, we look at young NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball players as invincible. They're not. They're people. I don't like when young people have problems. I don't like when young people have cancer. I don't like when wives... You know, guys, I don't like it either, but I'm like, hey, look, man, we're guys. We're supposed to handle crap. Women aren't. We're supposed to protect women. I don't like, and this guy, you know, he's a kid. I don't like it. So here's hoping, here's praying that uh, Foster Moreau gets healthy. Here's, he, he, he has, by all accounts, at least what I read, is uh, a, a great chance. Not a good chance, a great chance. So here's hoping that he comes out with a clean bill of health sooner than later. Um, this is unbelievable. 
San Diego, University of San Diego announced that their coach, Dale Lindsay, has been suspended. This is ridiculous. Um, he said, they said he was retiring. He's the winningest coach in school history. They said he was retiring. And he said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. What are you talking about? Not retiring. But they're saying he did. He's saying he's not. You know what I'd like? I like that. I do. I think that's awesome. Look, anytime we get something that makes it such that we're arguing, we got, hey, what are you going to do? All right, he's the greatest coach in San Diego history. You know who else coaches San Diego? John Har- Jim Harbaugh. All right, so this guy, this guy has been everywhere. He's been everywhere. He says, I did not bleeping retire. I was shown the door and I would like to coach. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Asked twice if San Diego, in fact, fired Lindsey. Bill McGillis, the AD, declined to definitively say. He said he is absolutely fantastic head coach. He's demonstrated great integrity, values that match the University of San Diego, commitment to education, mentoring his players in a way that will benefit them for the rest of their life, and we forward in the future to honoring him and celebrating a remarkable legacy. Of course, this is on the heels of Jim Beheim. Did he retire, and did he not retire? Hey, look, I don't know, but I do know this. In the world that we live in, there are two distinct set of dorks. No, they're not outkick hosts, okay? Stop it, stupid. All right. There are two distinct incredible dorks. One of them are politicians. One of them are athletic directors. I mean, do yourself a favor. Check out athletic directors. The athletic director at Syracuse licked my wife's face. Lee's like, you know what? Uh, I could own this place. The guy licked her face. Said, oh, salty. Always kissed her on the lips. I'm just telling you, there is no dorkier human being than athletic directors. Uh, Listen to this. There's a football coach. He got suspended because his players smoked cigars after winning a national championship. How about that? Division II, Ferris State, Tom Inessi. He's been suspended for one game after a pair of his players lit cigars in a locker room after the team's national title. Uh, Honest to God, the team suspended, or the NCAA suspended him, not from a game Mike Krzyzewski style, not from that, uh uh-uh, suspended him from their first game should they make the NCAA tournament. Remember, Division II has an NCAA tournament. So they said, hey, McKinley ISD Stadium in Texas is smoke-free. So guess what? You ain't allowed to smoke a stogie. You can't go all Joey Burrow. You can't go as a kid in Indiana that did it. He wanted to fight me. He was a quarterback. I can't remember his name. He's a little rich kid out of California. He wanted to get in the octagon with me. He had a cool name, too. I always rooted for him. His dad was a star of a soap opera, but I can't remember the kid's name. Listen to this. 
The NCAA also said that Ferris State has to pay 15 grand to the school for cleaning and repair expenses. All right, man. All right. As a coaching staff, each day leading up to the national championship, we had reminded our players that smoking cigars in celebration would not be allowed. My team was fully aware that the actions of two players were inappropriate. No matter how minor the action may seem, young people need to understand that there are consequences for their actions. We will address these concerns and continue to have a strong, positive football program that represents Ferris State on and off the field. So I got to ask you a simple question. Why do we worry about this crap? Like, why do we worry about it? Like, what's on our minds that this has to be something that the NCAA has to jump up and down, stand on their head and crap snowballs about? Will you tell me? Man, they smoke cigars. So what? So what? Who cares? Who gives a rats? And then instead of going Jim Beheim and fire him, you know, when they play Lemoyne or suspending him when they play Lemoyne, they're taking away his first NCAA tournament game. And I would bet you money. I'll bet you anything you want. Both this guy right here, Lindsey, and Anessi, the coach at Ferris State, have done more for kids than anybody in the administration has ever thought of doing. I guarantee you they have represented their schools better. I mean better than any person in their administration thought of doing, considered doing, guarantee it. And yet here they are for some penny-ante BS, and one's going to get fired, and the other, they're saying, well, you know. Well, you know. You didn't really resign. Yeah. It's weird, though, isn't it? Most people want to say they resign when they get fired, and, mo- and very few do they want to say, look, you fired me. Good for him. Zeke Elliott has narrowed down his options where to play next year, and this is kind of a big deal. But see that guy right there? That's got to be the guy. He got fat. And I ain't talking P-H-A-T. I'm talking about F-A-T. That dude got fat. You can't play fat. So here's where Elliott's thinking about going. The Jets, the Eagles, the Bengals. He would like to make a decision about where to sign by the end of next week. Let me ask you a question. As a Colts fan, we don't need Zeke Elliott. Yeah, we don't. I mean, let's be honest. Jonathan Taylor's just fine. Get a decent backup in there. You don't need to spend the money on Zeke Elliott, but do you want Zeke Elliott? Seems like Urban Meyer said this. Zeke Elliott was like the most competitive guy. And he said to me one time, he goes, you know, I really, um, I really haven't paid attention to him lately in the pros, but I think he's changed. I do. I, I, I think he's changed. And you know what? I think he's right. You know, you don't need to be a freak show. You know, here's what happens. You get success. You become a little bit of a freak show. You do some stupid stuff. And then what happens? You get humbled. Now, Zeke Elliott has a chance to right the ship. He has a chance to say, hey, let's go. Let's get this straightened out. Will he take it? I don't know. But I know this. You don't need him here with the Colts. Uh, Bryce Young yesterday had his pro day. I watched some of it on highlights this morning. I got up really early this morning. I was ready to go. And I got to tell you, if you can tell me who you should take based on that, then God bless you. Good for you. 
because the dude is in shorts. The dude looks literally uh, a little bit like Trey Young. Like he's just kind of, you know, Steph Curry. He's fun to watch. He's just fun to watch as a guy. You know what I mean? Just one of those deals where you're like, hey, looks like he could be fun. Didn't apparently have his best wide receivers out there. So he's overthrowing people. I guess yesterday uh, with uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., C.J. Stroud looked like the second coming of Dan Marino, Joe Montana, and Lamar Jackson when he's healthy. So now the debate is 6'3", 214 pounds. That's C.J. Stroud. 5'10", 204 pounds. That's Bryce Young. Now, 5'10", 204 pounds. You know who did that all the time? Walter Payton. And he sure don't look like Walter Payton to me. There is no way in hell C.J. Stroud is 205 pounds. Now, Frank Reich sitting there giving handshakes and hugs and everything else. Frank Reich becomes the most important guy in the NFL, at least to the players. Why? Because he's the coach of the team that has the number one pick. And that's what players see. Now, players' agents understand that we got to get with the GM. We got to do We got to get with the GM. But players say, hey, wait a second, coach, because that's the guy that they see, coach. And they ain't wrong. So Frank Reich's smart. Frank Reich is supposedly a quarterback whisperer. That's a complete joke. Total joke. All right, I got a question for you relative to, I don't know, access and coverage of a team. Yesterday, one of our favorite little D-bag reporters, a guy named Lil Zaki Kiefer, put out on Twitter, thanks to Chris Ballard, the general manager of the coach, for talking to my class at Indiana University. I understand the deal, right? Little Zachy, he's really not a writer of interest. He, he writes interesting stuff, I guess, for people. He did a podcast on Andrew Luck that was really all the rage, except two things. One, he didn't interview the general manager, Ryan Grigson, and two, uh, never said or talked to Luck or figured out what the injury was that Luck actually had, nor talked about. But anyway, in Indianapolis, that's what we do. So I got to ask you this. Is that in line with what normal reporters do? I want you to do something for me. Like, I get sitting down. I get saying, hey, we're gonna, can we do a one-on-one interview? I get even doing a one-on-one interview, and you learn you like the guy, and you write a puff piece on him. I get that. But little Zachy Kiefer is like, hey, I want you to speak to my class. I don't know, but that is indie, baby. You keep the nachos warm, you do. You keep the nachos warm and the pizza a-coming. That's what you do. By the way, today would have been my father's 90th birthday. March 24th is a day in the Dockage household that will live in infamy. April 8th, 2014, my dad, the great Tom Dockage, dropped dead. Ironically enough, uh, he, 100% Serbian, Dropped dead in a Tesla store. Nikolai Tesla is the Serbian Tom Edison. We tell you that Nikolai Tesla, as Serbians, invented everything. And you all stole it, you being Americans. I'm an American too, don't get me wrong. We all stole it. But my father dropped dead April 8, 2014. Today would have been my father's 90th birthday. When my father dropped literally dead, talking to a guy. I, I've met the guy. The guy said, your dad was awesome. We were talking. He had his hand on my shoulder, and he dropped dead. I went, rushed up to the 
uh, mall, the fashion mall up in the northern, northern part of Indianapolis. My mother had called me screaming. I was leaving my job. I drove up crying on the phone to my girlfriend then, my wife now, Lee. I get there. I look at my dad, and he was dead. I've never seen a dead body. I saw one that day. It was my dad. And the EMTs recognized me. They go, Dan, we're trying, man. There was like eight of them around, and they busted it. I mean, they busted it hard. They did not give up. But I got to tell you, I miss my dad every day. I've told you this before. When I turned about 48, I got divorced. About 50, I was, I, I was crazy. I was having an unbelievably great time. I was. I had more women than had ever been attracted to me. I was going out, not necessarily drinking a lot, just going out. And it was Caligula in my life, crazy. And I overstepped some boundaries with my family. And my dad and my mom straightened me out. We went to the, we went to the Starbucks in Zionsville. And I knew when I got invited for coffee or breakfast, even going back to high school, my dad would be like, let's go, let's go get a bite to eat. I knew I had done something wrong and he was going to give me great advice. Well, that day he did. And I think about it all the time and I'm thankful for it. Fast forward 10 years, man, oh man, I'm still grateful for the, the advice. I figured it out, married the greatest woman ever, but it was all because of my dad's advice. That is why I have no respect for anybody that's trying to tear down the nuclear family. That is why I have no respect for guys that have sex, have babies, and then aren't fathers. I don't understand how you do that. I don't know what your problem is. Get your head out of your backside and go help the child, you coward. Takes a man to raise a kid. Takes a man to continue to raise a kid. I think my kids are mad at me right now. I'm not sure why. Not my daughter. She's never mad at me. I think my son is. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's mad about my Twitter stuff. What are you going to do? Maybe I needed my dad in my life to straighten out my Twitter stuff. I don't know. But today's my dad's birthday. I see a picture of him over there. He was kind of a Frank Sinatra kind of guy. Greatest dude ever. I salute you, Pops. I miss you, Pops. I love you, Pops. Uh, Hope you're doing great. And can't wait to see you. Yeah, can't wait to see him. My, My son did one of those two chairs. You know, there's a book. And he swears to God, sitting right outside of our house, that he talked to my dad a few years ago. I personally believe it. You may not. Good for you. I believe in that kind of stuff. I believe in believing. I will always believe in believing. I'll never stop believing in believing. I believe there's a heaven and an earth. If you don't, good for you. But I more than anything believe that you should be a dad. You should be a father. Fathers last a lifetime. Mothers last a lifetime. I'm not disparaging mothers, but fathers... I'm talking about because today would have been my father's 90th birthday. And we would have had a hell of a party. Nah, we would have had one. We'd have had a shot of Schlevo. Uh, Every year, my dad, my brother, and I went over to this bar, took a shot to ring in the new year. We would have laughed about something stupid. We would have bet basketball games. We'd have eaten chips. It would have been a good day. It would have been a really good day. I'd have driven up to northwest Indiana to just chill with them. Hell, who knows? He might have ran a marathon. Now he wouldn't have. He might have been crazy. He might have had dementia. I don't know. But I sure would like to sit there with him and say hello. I sure would like to say, hey, what the hell are you doing? That's what he would have said to me watching this show. What the hell are you doing? I don't know. What the hell are you doing? What the hell? You're getting all over those people at ESPN. What are you doing that for? I don't know. You like this new show? Yeah, I like this new show. It's a great place to work. Ah, good. Don't screw it up. Okay. I told you this before, my dad was such a good guy 
that, and this may not make him sound like a good guy to some of you, but it makes him sound like a great guy to me. There was a guy being a jerk in a bar. I think to some ladies. My dad punched him out. A couple of years later, that guy became my dad's superintendent. My dad was a principal at Calumet High School, Gary, Indiana. First thing Herbie Abramson did was fire my dad. He did. He fired my dad as a principal, made him a seventh grade typing teacher at Lake Junior High. The entire school walked out. That's how good a guy my dad is. Now, you got to understand Calumet High School is a melting pot. I don't care whether we're allowed to say melting pot or not. You had black, you had white, you had Serbian, you had Hispanics, you had the small farms there, which were these very, very poor folks that had these little farms in Black Oak. If you know Gary at all, you know Black Oak and everything. We call ourselves DPs, displaced people. You had DPs, people that came over on the boat, their kids. That's what my dad was. But anyway, the whole school walked out. Whole school, national news, never forget, right down Ridge Road. TV cameras at my house. That's how good a guy my dad was. Here's another story on my dad. My, we didn't have country club money. We caddied, my brother and I, at Gary Country Club. When my parents got rid of us and they were able to have a little scratch, they belonged to the Valparaiso Country Club. They moved out of our house in Maryville because it kept getting robbed. So they moved to Valparaiso, joined the country club, and my dad was such a great guy that the Women's Golf League there, when he passed, put a plaque under a tree on the tee box of the 10th hole honoring my dad from the Women's Golf League. We've always, my dad and I and my brother, been supporters of women's athletics. My dad got a heck of a plaque. And it's pretty cool. I don't play there but once maybe a year, but I always tap it, take a picture, and I'm moving on out. My dad was a great guy. Wish you'd have met him. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
I may put this on the YouTube chat. Uh, Emma Jo Morris just said this is the most fun show she comes on. I say it's because it's the dumbest host that she has on, and she it's a combination of laughing with me and laughing at me. She's nice <laughs> enough to join us now. That's my theory, and that's my I'm sticking to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I, I I followed up saying that, you know, it's like it's fun doing shows that are not strictly politics shows because it's actually like you're talking to a real person as opposed to like a nerd. <laughs> yeah, you you get side it, it's it's sideboard. I said this in sports, the nerdiest people are the athletic directors in uh, in the world. The nerdiest people are politicians. I'm convinced of this and nothing that Pete Buttigieg has done changes my mind on that. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, if you're looking at Pete Buttigieg for the cool person in Washington, uh, yikes. <laughs> hey, simple question. Will Donald Trump be arrested? Uh, I don't know, but if he won't, that's that's the best stunt I think he's ever pulled. <laughs> because all of a sudden, you know, Whoa. he's tweeting. He tweeted out, you know, I'm being arrested. And then all of a sudden, obviously, all eyes get on this case that he's currently dealing with. And and once you kind of kick the tires on it, you obviously realize that it's um, bullshit, if I'm allowed to say that on air. And so it's like you just did. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't think of a better word for it. That's literally just all it is. So him saying that, whether it's true or not, has has forced scrutiny on Alvin Bragg and Alvin Bragg doesn't have it. So um, I don't know. But whatever that was, was worked out. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. You use the word stunt. Rarely does a guy want to announce that he's getting arrested. Most people are trying to avoid getting arrested. Most people are trying to keep quiet that they get arrested. I know a guy that's trying desperately to get his mugshot squashed off of Google, the Google images. You know, he's embarrassed about it. So this is a stunt from Trump. Is this a stunt also from the prosecutor Bragg? Yeah, I think it's a stunt on on for both of them. And the truth is, it's actually kind of politically advantageous for both of them. Um, my 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 take on this is, um, you know, Alvin Bragg is obviously an elected official. The DA is elected and and he works under Tish James, the attorney general of New York, who's also elected and they are in New York. So, you know, there is no better play in New York than literally arresting Trump. I mean, Tish James actually um, ran on that. She, there was this viral video of her during the campaign where she was like, yeah, I'm going to get Trump. And that was that was like part of her campaign promise. <laughs> and she didn't specify for what. And not that it matters, because in New York, that's kind of, you know, the quiet part out loud is that it doesn't matter. Just get him. So these people are, yeah. are elected in New York. I think Tish James has um, higher ambition than attorney general. I think she wants to be governor eventually. So um, so for her, like this plays really well. Then shift over to Trump. Trump is currently running in a primary. Obviously, it's very early in the primary. But, you know, he has somebody like DeSantis who's kind of trailing behind him or was, I guess, before last week where things kind of went a little haywire. But anyway, um, you know, he has a primary that's going on. Republican Party is very astutely aware of the deep state or whatever the establishment, and um, and they they have that as kind of like a foil, right? So Trump is leaning into that, and and I read a report which confirms rumors that I had already heard, where not only is Trump like leaning in, I mean he has been looking to get um, you know news 
news uh, outlets kind of like tag teaming with his plane. He's looking for like an OJ style, watch me as I fly through the air on the police chase kind of vibe. And um, and so he's like really trying to make this a spectacle. He's really trying to actually like produce this in a way. Um to maximize the impact, the political impact. So I think everybody's kind of winning in this whole thing. And 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 then we're all here just getting spun up. <laughs> Did you know, Bragg, you, you know, you, you've been in that in New York. You've been there forever. Did you know Bragg or do you know Bragg? No, I don't. Um, th that's not my circle. <laughs> I figured it might be. I figured, you know, you're a lady about town. You know, everybody... <laughs> wants to come tell their story to Emma Joe Morris. Hell, you've got Hunter Biden's laptop or you got his hard drive sitting right there in the apartment, which is so fascinating to me. Maybe I'm making a bigger deal than what it is, but I don't care. <laughs> it's cool to me. It's been there for like two years. I'm used to it. <laughs> it's like a piece of furniture. Nobody, nobody believes me. Like when I say, hey, look, Emma Joe Morris, look her up. Like, look up who she is and what she, she showed me. They're like, well, that could be anybody's hard drive. That's not her hard drive. That's crap. You know, I'm like, all right, okay, all right. I have been, I've been, people have tried to book me to actually plug it in and do kind of like a show and tell with it. I'm still considering whether that's a wise idea. I know that Hunter's lawyers are, are you know, out on the prowl. So I don't know if it's time yet, but maybe we could do a private viewing of all of your, of all of your doubters and haters. <laughs> Yeah, hey, look, uh, I'm in. You tell me where. My wife and I will fly in, and we'll buy the pizza, even though it's not a dollar anymore in New York City. We'll buy. We'll buy the beer, the pizza, the whiskey, whatever you want. We're buying. I just want to, I just want to have a night with Hunter. Uh, a year from now, two years from now, where's Hunter Biden going to be? I mean, listen. I don't. The thing about Hunter is that. Um, he he has a way of landing on his feet and he's just one of those people. We all know them. You know, he's one of those people that um, always seems like this is it. Like he's in hot water. He's done. And then somehow he kind of comes out kind of unscathed and just brushes himself off and moves along. And Hunter has had many scandals over the years. I mean, in 2018, Peter Schweitzer started um, reporting on on Hunter in his book, in his first book, where he revealed that Hunter flew on Air Force Two to China with Joe Biden and then like scored this like huge deal with bankers that no American has access to, let alone ones addicted to crack. So, you know, he's had a few scandals. He has been scandal scarred. You know, he had all, obviously the stripper that he impregnated in the New York Post um, reported that uh, before I was there. I think that was in 2019 that they reported that, that he had this illegitimate child that he was stiffing and trying to pretend wasn't his. Um, so, there have been tons of scandals and tons of things. And even now it's like, you know, Joe Biden still won the presidency following the reporting of the laptop from hell um, in 2020. And I, I think that Hunter Biden just kind of has this way of moving along. Um, it's kind of admirable in a way. Um, I respect it in a way. Um, he doesn't let himself get beat down and, you know, he has his lows, but you wouldn't be able to tell in public. And it's like, where's Hunter Biden? Listen, he wants to be president. So don't laugh. We what now? He wants to be president. Of That's what? been documented of this country. And to be fair, I mean, a guy like that can make a deal. <laughs> also happens yeah. to be the coolest See, person in the Democrat Party. Like, I'm just not writing off anything for Hunter is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, my wife's best friend, 
you got to follow this. For, is one of these guys like Hunter Biden. Her husband, ex-husband, is the Hunter Biden. And there's a lot involved here. So finally, after, I don't know, 10 years, my, my wife's best friend has moved on to another husband, but they have a daughter together. It involves strippers, cocaine, uh, money laundering, not paying taxes, beating of women. Finally, and I've been knowing this story for about, I think, 10 years now, finally the dude got arrested and sent to federal, or not only about federal prison, sent to prison yesterday. I always believe these things end up that way. But you're saying probably not with OHB. Listen, the difference between your wife's friend's ex-husband and Hunter Biden is that Hunter Biden is the son of the president of the United States. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, like, there is that. Matter. It's a thing. Unfortunately, you know, you want to think that justice is blind and, you know, that the law is always applied equally. But I think as we've learned over the last few years, that's just not how it goes. So do you ever get something like this? I'm going to show you this. You see this? Can you see this? All right. Uh, I see a long text. Yeah. But I can't. And it gets longer and it gets longer and longer <laughs> and longer. So when you're a reporter and you're involved, like this is about a basketball story that guy had, some guy had from when I was in high school that played against me 40 years ago. Like, okay, great. But you're in the political realm. You're a reporter. Do you get tips like that? Do people just send you these long or, or short tips? And if so, do you follow up? Are they true? What, what, have, we, what have you found over the years relative to politics? Yeah, I get tips constantly, you know, constantly. And I actually put my email address um, at the bottom of all of my articles where if I'm reporting on something and you're reading it and you think that you have something helpful to add or you just want to say, you know, that was a great story or you're an idiot um, or you're full of yourself or I have the most explosive scoop. Like you never know where things are coming. So I just put my email address on all of my stories and I get tons of emails from readers all the time. And sometimes they are tips and I get tips from obviously members of Congress too. And I get tips from Flax and I get, you know, reached out to, cause that's, you know, people know that I, I have a platform, right? So sometimes I do get stuff and sometimes I get stuff that looks pretty batty, but I'll stick with it for the whole message. Because listen, like you never know, like sometimes the biggest weirdos and kooks have something to it. And and sometimes they have something valuable to say. So I'll stick with it. And listen, obviously, 99% of the time, um, there's nothing. Or it's not as big as the person is saying it is. Or you kick the tires yeah. and the person is full of hot air. But listen, there is that 1% or 2% of the time where it's Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> right. That's why I asked, because you're sitting there with it based on some. All right, so let me go back to Hunter Biden. It's been laid out where Joe Biden and Hunter, I mean, the whole family got paid off here. It's been laid out. I was watching Fox News the other day, and Will Kane was just basically laying it out for you. Uh, the press secretary and Biden are saying, now, this is all crap. Where do you fall? All crap or 100% truth or somewhere in the middle? Where do you fall on this newest allegation of Biden payments? Yeah, I mean, I think that the way it works is, and this is kind of, you can see this, like, you know, on the laptop a little bit, obviously, the laptop is just a snapshot, right? It's not a full picture, but it gives you a pretty good idea of what's going on. And this all tracks with that. And what I think was going on was basically this. So, you know, they have Joe Biden, who is like, you know, a very powerful person in government. And um, 
Joe Biden is used as like kind of like um, a, a chip in the business. So that's how they make the money is saying, I'm the son of Joe Biden and I can get you access to this, this and this, or I'm the brother of Joe Biden, I can get you this access. Um, and then um, they get higher sums of money for whatever they're doing or whatever connections they're making because of their relationship to Joe Biden. Then they accept that higher rate and 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 because obviously you have to have plausible deniability, as we learned from Tony Bobolinsky, right? Like what they do is they take in the money. It's not Joe Biden himself; it's his son, his brother, his sister, whatever. And um, and then they they pay for things for him. So you know, like in the laptop, the example of that was um, they paid for repairs in his house. You know, they're paying for the rent for his office. Like you see like scraps of receipts kind of of it. And and that was that was how it, it all worked was it wasn't like, OK, China is giving money to Joe Biden's checking account. It's like, no, it goes to kind of like a bag man to an intermediary, um, be it one of the business associates like Eric Schwerin um, or Rob Walker and or Hunter. And then and then the the payments are dispersed, um, like not not in cash, like you you pay for all of his needs. The defense that a private citizen can make private business deals is one of the defenses here for the Bidens. Uh, walk me through that. Well, in their defense, they're right. I mean, there is no law, and this is in Congress's court, and I hope that this is something that comes out of all of these investigations that we're obviously paying a fortune on and that we're using all of our energy on, basically, in the Republican majority, right, is what is going to come of this? Because in the meantime, what they did is technically legal. Hunter Biden is a man who is not in public service. He is just related to somebody who is, and he is doing business in China, which American citizens have every right to do. And I think that, you know, we discussed this on the show, I think the last time we were on together, where Congress needs to look at this and say, okay, well, they're clearly just wiggling through a loophole in bribery laws and in anti-corruption laws. And so we need to close that loophole. And I think the obvious answer to that, it's like building a wall, right? But building a wall for corruption. It's like, okay, if you have a blood relationship or a marriage relationship directly with somebody who is in office, you can't do business with China. That's all easy. Or you can't do business, um, you know, with with this list of countries. Um, and I think Ukraine should definitely be. How about this? Let's take the five or 10 most corrupt countries in the world and just say you can't do business there. You want to do business in Canada? Maybe like, OK, but, um, you know, like like let's like choose like the ones that are clearly obviously trying to buy your relative and take those on a list of places you can't take money from. <laughs> I think that's fair. I, you know, again, I know that the, I always say this, there's two sides to everything. Like in sports, there's always a backstory, you know, in politics, there's always a backstory, right? There's always like something else going on. But the one thing that is tangible, Biden's approval ratings are tanking. They've always tanked. Um, two things. Why, in your opinion, number one, and number two, Will he be the Democratic nominee as we move forward into the election cycle of 2024? <laughs> oh, God, what a nightmare for them. So I think that the, the numbers thing works like this. Biden doesn't have a base. There's no, like, Biden supporter. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever met somebody who's like, I'm a Biden guy? <laughs> no, of course not. You know, like, Trump has this kind of, yeah, Biden like, Trump. 24, baby. Biden 24. <laughs> 
Damn the it. Biden flags. Have you seen any of those? No. Okay. Yeah. Like that's it. It's like yeah. Trump has like a connection with his voters. Um, and and you see that you know all the time. Trump obviously has it in a unique way, but you know, there's certain politicians that have like personal connections kind of with their voters and and their supporters. And Biden is not one of those guys, you know, like he's kind of doddering around and muttering and barely making any sense. He's like sometimes you're watching him and it's so dry. Like sometimes I felt like I'm literally like it's like hangover inducing. Like it almost makes my head hurt, like trying to have to focus on him. So it's like <laughs> so it's like he doesn't have a base. So what did Biden get elected for? Either it was an anti-Trump vote, which in the, like, you know, now wouldn't be relevant anymore in his support. Or it was a vote of like, just keep things like steady and stable and, you know, not not don't do anything rash or crazy. You know, I think that that was probably the constituency that voted for Biden. And so um, because he doesn't have anybody who's going to stick with him through like bad, bad press cycles, right, and bad news cycles, um, things just have to get like when they're steady, he does all right. But when things start to get, you know, a little bit less steady, like when banks start exploding, um, <laughs> you know, I think that that affects his numbers because he was there for one sole reason. And it was to to be like, you know, an anti-chaos agent. And obviously, you know, we know about the total corruption that he's steeped in and and the total just like like kind of. I mean, he's not as as steady as as you know he wants you to believe because he's so intertwined with um, all these agents that really want to do harm to America, like in Eastern Europe and like in China. But you know, he puts off this image, and I think that that was what he was voted for on. And and when things don't feel um, smooth, I think that his numbers start to go through the floor. Um, and you saw that, for instance, his his after Afghanistan, that was that was horrific. Um, and anybody would deserve to have their numbers shoot down after that incident, but he doesn't have any connection with anybody. So there's no loyalty there. So the second people saw that they were like, you know, feeling very negatively toward him, you know, you had that now again, when we had the banks, where it's like that was that scares people. And, and that is, again, it's like this, like, kind of disaster that's unfolding, and you're watching it, and you have no personal loyalty to Joe Biden. So when you're being asked by a pollster, how do you feel? It's like, no, screw this guy. Um, and and I think that that's what goes on with his numbers. Um, does, do I think he's going to be the Democratic nominee? I hope for the Democrats, you know, that that's not the case, because he's going to be what, like 97? Like, not actually, but I mean, it's like he's barely, it feels like he's barely hanging on by a thread cognitively right now. And that's just an objectively true thing to say. If you look at video of him from when he was Obama's VP, this is a different man. And he is rapidly declining. He's tired. I don't blame him, to be honest. He's in his 80s. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of work. Um, and, and I think for his sake and, and for the sake of having like a, a fun race, you know, to have somebody who's like a real contender, he should really just like let it go. The, the problem with that, though, for the Democrats is that, OK, Kamala Harris is next in line. You can't bounce her out. And she sucks. She doesn't pull. She doesn't connect with anybody. Um, she can't really even make like a cogent statement herself. Every time she speaks, it's like this like um, kind of string of words that doesn't mean anything. And, and when you play it back and you actually listen, it's like, wait, what? Like, what did she just say? Like, you can't even make it out. It's It's all just fluff and happy talk. And I think the American people don't connect with that, obviously. So um, so they have a problem because they they gave this like kind of social justice warrior nod in picking her. I think it was during the George Floyd um, situation. And there was a lot of emphasis on picking like a, 
a person of color and a woman and, and equity and whatever. And, and they had said that at the time during the campaign, which I thought was totally insulting to Kamala Harris, that she was basically like, you know, a gesture toward diversity. And it's like, well, what about my intellect? If I were her, that's what I would be thinking. Um, but thanks, I guess, for choosing me based on my race. Like, yikes. Um, but anyway, so that was their decision. They made that decision. Now she's there. She's waiting in the wings. And if he moves aside, which he obviously should, because he's not doing that great right now, um, um, they're stuck with her. And it's like, well, good luck. Uh, I feel Camilla's pain. Every job I've gotten is because of this, all of this, <laughs> this, this just, you know, you know, it's like I walk into an interview. They're like, you're hired. I go, don't you want to hear how dumb I am? No, you're so incredibly handsome that we just have to hire you. So I feel Camilla's pain. I, I understand. I do. Yeah. I, 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 we live in a bubble. People like us. It's what we do. We live in a bubble. That's That's what, when you're, you know. when you're so striking, people just can't see you for you. <laughs> yeah, they, I wish they would. And they would see a glob of crap is what they would see out of me. <laughs> I love talking to you, Emma Jo. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thanks for the compliment, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's always so much fun being on the show. Next time, though, I want to be on with Haley. I saw she was going to be on the show today, and what? I'm pissed. Who? Haley. Oh, yeah, she's coming on later. Yeah, she, yeah. 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 I, you know what I do? I turn the lights on, they give me a script, and I read. You know what I mean? And try not to say F-bombs too often. <laughs> I'm going to oh, take it up with her. <laughs> do that. Please, God, yes. Thank you. Give Thank her you a so follow. Much. Emma Joe Morris, I'm telling you, she's freaking awesome. She's smart. She knows what she's doing. She's opinionated. She's brilliant, actually. So do yourself a favor. Follow Emma Joe Morris. All right. Uh, when we come back, I got a lot to get to. I do. I, I got to tell you how we're betting this weekend. I took a bath. I'm going to preview tonight's game. We got San Diego State, Alabama, Miami, uh, Houston, Princeton. Mitch Henderson and his crew is taking on Creighton Xavier, Texas. It's going to be another great night. I'm going to Harvard. It's going to be Cornell at Harvard all weekend, baby, in softball. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, during the break, I went to our YouTube chat, which is absolutely on fire because that's what they do every single day. And uh, there's a guy on there, Iron Man, said, I had an epiphany, completely single, no restrictions. The things I could do, this needs more reflection. You ain't lying, brother. Seriously, you ain't lying. I had the kids, which was awesome. My son was in college. My daughter was getting ready to go to college. I mean, it was freaking nuts. It was. And my friend Patty England and I used to chat every day. She was sales manager at Emmis, and I would tell her literally the things going on. And she's just like, this is crazy town. You're just living in crazy world. She had been divorced. She understands it. People understood it. Uh, it's just the way it is. So, you know, what are you going to do? It is what it is. Uh, last night, Euros Plazic, 
uh, showed his backside. He is the big guy for Tennessee that decided it was a good idea to cheap shot the floor FAU player. And I got to tell you something. I want to go back to this. FAU ends up not only beating Tennessee, but beat up Tennessee, physically dominated Tennessee, outquicked Tennessee. I said at halftime, man, FAU is in a great spot here. Tennessee, the better team. You can see bigger, better, all that kind of stuff, but not quicker and not more skilled. And that ultimately came to fruition. But even more important than that, Tennessee, through this clown plaza, decided they were going to try to intimidate FAU. And you know what they did? This is what men do. This is what men do. Women do it too, but I'm just using men here as my example. Men get blanked off and compete harder. They don't sulk. They don't whine. They don't cry because they're beating us up. You heard from Duke, the whiny little dookies. Well, they're too physical. Really? Well, they weren't too physical for FAU. They weren't too physical for Jahani Davis, the kid from Gary, Indiana. And you know when you got a kid from Gary, Indiana, he's going to be tougher than heck. Probably going to swear on TV. He didn't do it yesterday, but he did previous. And I I salute my fellow Northwest Indiana comrade. But that's what you saw yesterday. You saw a team in FAU take it right to, right to the mouth, the chin of Tennessee. You saw Tennessee try to do that chicken blank stuff that they do, and it just didn't work. And then you saw a coach... In Dusty May, a young coach, uh, working his way, 99 wins, I believe, in four, or excuse me, five years, just under 20 a year, which is fantastic simply because you don't have all the guaranteed cupcake games at FAU or a Bowling Green that you do at a UConn or an Indiana or a Purdue. And then what you saw was as bad a coaching job as you're ever going to see out of a head coach that has been a head coach for a long, long time. Rick Barnes, a really nice guy. Rick Barnes, a really good coach. I would love to have had. Rick Barnes's career, but I got to tell you, I would not like to have been on the bench yesterday with Rick Barnes because that was embarrassing the way they ran their offense, particularly when they got punched in the face and they found that they couldn't just bogart, which means back down, shoot over uh, FAU. So what did they do? They resorted to the dumbest offense I've ever seen. They threw the ball to a big guy who was uh, not Larry Bird, not Akeem Olajuwon. They threw it to him at 20 feet on the left side of the court. If you want to see something stupid, if you want to learn what not to do, go back and watch that tape. Probably five straight possessions. The ball got stuck on the left side with a big guy trying desperately to hand off. Now, the big guy hit two jump shots, one from the top of the key, one from the left wing, but so what? Everybody else did what bullies do. Crap the bed. Absolutely crap the bed when they got punched in the face. It's historic. It's cliche, but you saw it last night. I salute you, FAU, and all of the young men. Tonight is going to be interesting. Alabama is was the best team that I saw. Now that team is UConn. What UConn did to Arkansas was unfreaking believable. I mean, let's not even sugarcoat this. Arkansas came in all the rage, right? Arkansas came in. You got Ricky Council the fourth, athletic as heck. I watched him. I thought it. I was rooting for him because Key Smart, guy who got us all championship rings at Indiana, is on the staff. They got belly whomped. I don't even know what belly whomped is, but guess what? They got belly whomped. Well, guess what? Tonight, the second best team, which is Alabama, takes on San Diego State. Now, here's the deal with this. Alabama is athletic as all get out. This kid right here, 
Brandon Miller is the best potential player by far in this tournament. Now, he's not going to go 36 and 13 like what Drew Timmy did or 29 and 11, like what uh, Jaime Jaquez did or 20, 19 and five steals like Marquise Noel did, but he's going to have probably a big game and he's just that kind of talented. But you're playing a team that, and again, this is interesting. San Diego State is as tough a team as there is in the tournament. They're not fake tough. They're not the kind of guys that show up, get smacked in the mouth, and next thing you know, they go away. Uh-uh. No. They have been tough when Steve Fisher went out there and Kawhi Leonard was playing. They are tough now. Very tough. So the bottom line is going to be, are we going to see this guy, Brian Dutcher's team, due to a uber-talented and tough Alabama squad, what FAU did to an uber-tough yet chicken-blank Tennessee squad. Don't know, but it is fascinating because I know I always, in particular, talk about making jump shots is what you need to win, and I ain't wrong. But I also got to tell you, playing defense matters too. Getting stops matters. Michigan State said it after the game, just couldn't get a stop. That matters, and there's nobody left in this tournament that can get stops like San Diego State, uh, Miami, and Houston. Both teams a little banged up. Big kid from Miami. Don't know if he's going to play. Marcus Sasser banged up. We'll see. Game time decision for Houston. Houston showed me some backside. Houston was getting beat at halftime. Getting beat, I think, by 10 by Auburn. Look, Bruce Pearl's a great coach. He knows his way around it. You give him a 10-point halftime lead, that means I'm up 10 with 20 minutes to go. Pearl will take that any time. But Calvin Sampson and his crew came out and just destroyed, destroyed Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers. Now, does that carry over? Well, it doesn't really have to carry over because Houston plays that way anyway. That's who Houston is. Houston doesn't jagass around. Houston comes out to beat your brains out. Miami, athletic, fast. You know, the kid Peck from right here, literally across the street, uh, has been really good, but Isaiah Wong is the real guy. Isaiah Wong has been sensational. He's the ACC Player of the Year, deservedly so. And you think about being the ACC Player of the Year, my guess is that's over a bunch of pros. Now, whether Isaiah Wong's a pro or not, hell, I don't know. But I got to tell you, it's going to be a fun one to watch because Jim Laranega's Miami team does not back down. They spread you. They play a little bit, a little bit. Like what you saw at FAU, the ball whips around, they find the open man, they play eagleless, and they force you to recover so many times that eventually you screw it up, and you go by them, and you get a chance at a lay-in. Princeton, Creighton. I'm not counting out Princeton in this one. Creighton can be hot and cold. Creighton can go get 100 on you. Creighton can get stuck. Creighton's inconsistent defensively. Coach McDermott bills himself as an offensive coach. I got to tell you, you're going to see guys make athletic plays for Princeton. I understand the white guy thing. I do. I think we all do. Okay, a bunch of white guys, right? Isn't that what the racists say? Well, you know, white boy, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, these dudes can play. I don't care if they're white, black, green, or purple. These dudes can play. You're seeing spin moves. You're seeing isolations. You're seeing drives. You're seeing all kinds of things in Mitch Henderson's playbook. They basically run somewhat, somehow, some way of the Princeton offense, but they don't really run it. They run it a little bit. 
They use concepts of it. They will back cut if the ball is dribbled towards you. They will run the handoff, step behind, shoot a three at the top of the key. But Mitch Henderson's done a really good job with his team. And I think you're going to see this game, Princeton and Creighton, go down to the wire. Smart people don't have problems in big environments. Well, the moment's too big for Princeton. No. Stop it, stupid. Stop it. All right, let's be honest. Nobody, and I mean nobody, celebrates the cheats more than college basketball. I've already talked Calvin Sampson, have I not? Of course I have. So I've talked Calvin Sampson. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Sean Miller. Sean Miller, the sanctions as Dickie Vitale talked about this morning that went on in Arizona led to him being ski-daddled from Arizona. He gets his little penance. He ends up a world's worst athletic director, Greg Christopher, ends up hiring her, and it makes Greg Christopher look like not only a dirtbag, but a pretty good AD for hiring a cheat like Sean Miller. Okay, great. Now you're in the Sweet 16. Now you got a chance to play Texas. You heard yesterday, did you not? Uh, Brad Underwood say a couple things about Texas. They're old, and they use the portal in a great way to get old. I talk about a kid named Marcus Carr. I think Marcus Carr is the key to this entire deal. I think Marcus Carr could go get you 30 or could bad shot you. The key in this is who on Texas thinks they have to showcase themselves for the NBA or is Texas connected as a we against them mentality, which I think they've had all year in honor of Rodney Terry taking over for Chris Beard. I don't know which one's going to show, but I do know this. It's going to be a fun night. Uh, kudos to the cheat, Sean Miller. Sean Miller has done this without one of his all, one of his best players, Fremantle. Fremantle is a kid that can play inside, outside. He's played there for a long time. He's hurt. He's out. But yet, guess what? They're in the Sweet 16. Uh, Jack Nunji, I'm telling you, every time I turn around, there's somebody from the great state of Indiana playing somewhere in the NCAA tournament and playing well. Nunji's a big kid from down around Evansville, Castle High School, I believe. He went to Iowa, played well, and then he transferred and he came to Xavier. Now, at Xavier, the kids, I think, graduated. He's got three degrees. I think he's the same as Drew Timmy. He might even have another year. What the hell? Just let him play. But anyway, uh, Jack Nungy seems to take the game over late for Xavier, meaning they'll go to him on the block. He'll block a shot. He'll get an offensive rebounds on the inbounds. They may lob to him. They just do a lot of things for him. And again, it's very, very, very good coaching. Uh, not kind of, sort of, maybe good coaching, but maybe good coaching. If you're going to ask me who I'm going to take, I think I'm going to take Texas, Princeton, Houston, and Alabama. Chalk usually rains. Princeton's a stretch, but I'm not all that shot in the backside with Creighton. I'll be surprised if Creighton does to Princeton what UConn did to Arkansas. I'll be surprised. I could see Princeton doing to Creighton what FAU did to Tennessee. I, I could see that. I could see them running them ragged. I could see them moving it around. I could see them doing just really good offensive stuff. And eventually, I could see this happening where Creighton says, screw this, we're going to play zone. Screw this. The hell? We're going to play zone. It'll be interesting tonight to see if anybody does that. Like, will Miami do that against Houston? Who will say, screw this, we're going to play a zone? If I'm Creighton, I might. 
I might. I don't know if I want to chase all those guys. I don't know if I can chase all those guys. When you play a zone, you know, you're going to hear some idiot announcer say, well, you can't offensive rebound out of a zone. Well, okay, fine. But what you can do out of a zone is have your defense set, meaning I got the best player, my shoulders are squared to the other team's best driver, and I got a guy automatically to my right and automatically to my left. Why? Because we're playing a zone. Who will say screw it? We're going to play zone. We'll find out. Uh, My ESPN friends are mad at me. That's good. Look, this show is taking over the nation. This is the future of broadcasting, where you get people who are unafraid. Uh, You know, you get people who are unafraid. I got a call last night. Man, why you got to be so personal to ESPN? Why you got to be? I don't know. Why they got to be so personal to us? Why don't anybody stand up to their racism? Did you see what ESPN did? Did you see this? They put out a statement condemning that little schlep at WEEI for his apparent racial slur of Mina Kimes. Where's the statement against, oh, I don't know, Desmond Howard for using a racial slur against white people when he was on a plane? Where's the statement for Kendrick Perkins ripping white people, calling out white people for racism that doesn't exist? Where's the statement for Jalen Rose being wrong on damn near everything he says about any social justice issue? Good for ESPN. Great for ESPN. You want to defend your guy? Mia Kimes is the easiest person to defend. Do yourself a favor. Jason Whitlock and Mia Kimes, uh, I don't even know who she is. I don't think I've ever seen her. I mean, I've seen her picture, but I don't think I've ever seen her on TV anyway. uh, She and Jason Whitlock going back and forth. Mina Kimes went at Jason Whitlock after Whitlock had gone at her, and good for her. But you can see it, right? You know what's coming. Blue check mark. Great for you, queen. Mina Kimes crushed every little blue checkmark guy who is in the same victimhood boat as Mina Kimes. By the way, yesterday, I got called a racial slur if I were sensitive. I got called a crazy serve. A guy saw me in the supermarket. He goes, Doc, it's your crazy serve, man. I go, yeah, you're probably right, but you got to add some Polish in there too. He didn't drop the big one, you know, the on me, Polish. You know, it's a slur to Polish people. You know this. You know the slur. But I got called a slur. I should change my avatar. I should whine about it. I should cry about it because that's what we do. I've been slurred. I got called a racist yesterday before 9 o'clock. That seemed unfair. Anyway, the queen of TikTok. I wonder if she'll be able to TikTok for very long. Is TikTok going away? I think it is. Um, and I hate to say that, but Trump tried to ban it and it didn't work because there were, wasn't any bipartisan support. Um, and then when Biden came into office, um, he tried to undo what Trump did. And now all of a sudden Biden is um, trying to ban it as well. So I think now that there's bipartisan support, I think that they do have kind of what it takes to get it done. Um, and a lot of Um, conservative presidential candidates and politicians are for this ban. So even if we do see a change of power here in 2024, I think that it'll happen if it doesn't happen under Biden, which is unfortunate. And I think, I mean, you have to wonder, I saw your interview with David Hookstead earlier, and I appreciate both sides of you. This is like real journalism here. Like you get the anti-TikTok and now you get the pro-TikTok view. I mean, this is what it's all about. So I, you have to wonder why there's bipartisan support for something. Um, conservatives have never reaped the benefits of TikTok because 
They've been screaming TikTok bad from the very, very beginning. And Democrats, on the on the other hand, have benefited from TikTok because they got a, they got Biden elected from a basement because the DNC is on TikTok and all these other notable Democrats are on TikTok. So they basically use it as a propaganda arm for the DNC and for Biden. So once Biden was elected, it didn't stop there. They used it to basically rewrite the narrative when shit started hitting the fan. So when there was the supply chain crisis and the baby formula shortage and all these other crises, astronomical gas prices, they paid TikTok influencers to go speak to their millions of followers and say, hey, it's actually not that bad and it's not Biden's fault. And Americans are so stupid that they will believe pretty much everything that the government tells them to do. And we've seen this over the last three years. So I don't think that when the government, both sides of the government comes together, it's usually not because of, you know, they have our best interests at heart. I just don't believe that. I'm completely cynical and I don't believe or trust any politicians ever. But I think it's now because Democrats aren't seeing there, it, TikTok used to be a tool for the Democrats and now it's kind of backfiring on them because the TikTok algorithm isn't, they don't have the same control over TikTok that they do Facebook and Twitter pre-Musk. So we know that the Biden administration would just like call up their friends at tic, um, at Twitter and be like, hey, um, Tommy Lahren and Tucker Carlson are saying don't get the vaccine. Um, and then they would freak out and they'd be like, OK, yeah, no worries. We'll go reduce those posts. So they can't do that with TikTok. And now TikTok, I'm seeing all of these independent journalists and creators come out and expose not only the Biden administration, but um, Norfolk Southern, the company that was responsible for the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. We're seeing all of these independent journalists who live there showing us firsthand accounts of what's happening on the ground. And the Biden administration is like, oh, damn, um, we can't call up China as close as they are to um, to tamp down those voices. They have total no control. So that's why I think that there's finally bipartisan support to ban it because the government's not benefiting it from it anymore. And the whole China thing is insane because I've said this before on this show, and I'll say it again. If you took TikTok off of every single phone in America, they'd st still be our biggest adversary and our biggest threat. Um, think about how many apps are on our phones that are owned by China. And think about how many apps we scroll through the terms and conditions and we just press agree so that we can skip all that and go directly to the app. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, I mean, any app that's on your phone, you're giving them access to your camera and your data um, Amazon Alexa's and Google Homes, it's it's all the same. So I think that this is just the the American government not having control over the people anymore. What do you got for me today? What do you got from TikTok? Well, the, tic the TikTok CEO was grilled on Capitol Hill yesterday. So I want to play the video um, of him um, if you haven't seen it. Let me start by addressing a few misconceptions about ByteDance, of which we are a subsidiary. ByteDance is not owned or controlled by the Chinese government. It's a private company. 60% of the company is owned by global institutional investors. 20% is owned by the founder and 20% owned by employees around the world. ByteDance has five board members, 
three of them are American. Now, TikTok itself is not available in mainland China. We're headquartered in Los Angeles and in Singapore, and we have 7,000 employees in the US today. Still, we have heard important concerns about the potential for unwanted foreign access to US data and potential manipulation of the TikTok US ecosystem. There are more than 150 million Americans who love our platform, and we know we have a responsibility to protect them, which is why I'm, I'm making the following commitments to you and to all our users. Number one, we will keep safety, particularly for teenagers, as a top priority for us. Number two, we will firewall protected US data from unwanted foreign access. Number three, TikTok will remain a place for free expression and will not be manipulated by any government. And fourth, we will be transparent and we will give access to third-party independent monitors to remain accountable for our commitments. Okay, so that's the TikTok CEO. And unfortunately, after that, he was grilled by lawmakers on both sides of the aisle that I don't even know if they know how to set an alarm on their phone to wake up in, in the morning. They're asking asinine questions. Um, I believe it was North Carolina Republican Congressman Rich Hudson. And listen, I'm an equal opportunity. Um, I will call you out no matter what side of the aisle you are on. If you are stupid, I will call you out. So Rich Hudson asks, um, if I have TikTok on my phone and my phone is also connected to the Wi-Fi, does TikTok access my home Wi-Fi? And the poor guy is sitting there like, what? Yes. Like you need a Wi-Fi to do anything on your phone. And I know for a fact that all of these congressional staffers um, are 20, 25 years old. It's like, go help your boss so they don't look stupid. Anyway, then you have Georgia Congressman Buddy Carter. He was saying like, OK, well, you need to explain this race gating thing, like uh, this age gating thing. And the uh, TikTok CEO was like, age gating is when our users tell us how old they are. And then we will go on their profile and make sure that they're telling the truth so that a, you know, a 22 year old isn't saying that they're 14 or vice versa. And Buddy Carter's like, well, that's creepy that you can see that stuff. And the TikTok CEO is like, well, it's public content that they posted on their pages and we're trying to make sure that people are telling the truth. Then he's like, I heard that you have access into our eyeballs. And he's like, well, you know, the AI knows where your eyeballs are so that when you use different filters, it can match your face. And he's like, well, that's creepy. So it's like these people have not even a baseline understanding of what the app is. And I think for conservatives, for the most part, they see what libs of TikTok posts on Twitter. And while that's super important because that stuff is happening on the app, it doesn't even scratch the surface of what's really on there and what the app is really like for most users. So it just seems disingenuous. And it's like, I don't feel like listening to people who've never been on this app tell me about this app and how bad it is. Man, you're really good. Holy cow. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. And I me. have, yeah. I know we have, you I know we, um, we don't have so much time, but I want to play you another video because I saw this creator making fun of the Republicans and Democrats who were just like stupid boomers um, in the hearing yesterday. So I want to play that too. Sir, are you aware 
that the sound a cartoon bomb makes is TikTok, which is the same name as your platform. My problem is that a child can look up anything inappropriate on TikTok. You can't do that anywhere else on the internet. I've tried. So what is, um, how does Wi-Fi get from the air to my phone? This is how the Chinese are gonna spy on us. You know, not with the phones that we all have that they make there or the electronics that we all have that they make there through this one app out of the millions of apps that are also made in China. This app is so inappropriate. My daughter learned how to do a TikTok dance. And when I took her to our Little Miss Fungadungle pageant in South Carolina, she got the dances mixed up and lost. Is it like mini chlorians? Is it like that thing in Star Wars that gives them all the force? Is that what Wi-Fi is? TikTok is here to brainwash our kids of the liberal agenda through the slam tutorial videos. My daughter said her favorite creator it was gay. And she said she liked them. And they weren't like Ellen DeGeneres, Will and Grace, oh, it's okay on NBC gay. They were like really gay. Okay, full disclosure, I'm not even here as a congressman at this point. Um, I moved and I'm trying to set up the Wi-Fi in my house. All so right. obviously, I a want joke. it to be known. I I want it to be known that as someone that gets called a boomer a lot, I am not that ignorant. I Man, am, you're yeah, cool. And I'm all right. Thank you. That's what I need. You're cool. You know how to I use Wi-Fi on TikTok. So you're you're not a boomer. I I wasn't talking about you. you. That's but anyway, before TikTok, hey he, Haley, yeah. I, I heard a lot of familiar things on there, so I got a little defensive, just so you know. <laughs> so, right, I don't know. Give me some videos. What do you got? Yeah, I don't know if TikTok's actually going to get banned, so let's have some fun before um, maybe this is all over. Yeah. I, I told Google to um, do fonts for 100 hours. Yeah. See, this is the technology they're worried about. Yeah. It's a white person or a black person? That's definitely a white woman. She has no lips. Really? Yeah. I think it's a white woman because she's taking care of both the kids. <laughs> what a terrible thing to say. What, what is that? Are you being provocative? I was it gets the people going. <laughs> <laughs> it was totally ironic yeah. because black women are known for taking care of this children because black men They take don't. care of white children too. It's the crazy part. Oh, it's very controversial. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, thank you. <laughs> you too. Thank you, oh, sir. Man. <laughs> oh, what's up? Nah, bro, I can't do nothing tonight. I gotta open tomorrow. I know, I know. <sighs> what? <laughs> Time for work. Damn it! <sighs> Here we go again. <laughs> oh yeah, Laura, I'm so ready for today.
You know what so, I loved about that second video? I love yeah. the second video where the older guy just walked away mumbling. Like, he just mumbling as he walked away. Like, this was so disturbing to him. That's controversial. I know. Honestly, comedians have it tough these days because people are, even if people find something funny, they're so afraid of cancel culture that they're like, uh, 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 am I supposed to laugh at this? So they're right. like, ah, oh, that's controversial. Right. I better walk away. <laughs> right. Just Am I voting or are we good? You can vote. I want to vote on the kid who's farting all the time. That's a kid after my own heart. <laughs> the queen is back. I'm on a streak, baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's two in a row. That's two. Hey, I got to go. I got to catch a flight. I'm going to Harvard, baby, to get smart. That's right. I'm going to be at Harvard softball game by 4.30 this afternoon in the rain, cheering my stepdaughter on. And then you know what I might do tonight, Haley? What? I might have too many beers. Me too. <laughs> have a good weekend. <laughs> You too. Thank you, guys. Thanks to everybody on the YouTube. Thank you to Haley and Dylan and Ryan uh, and Caitlin and Davey and Aaron and uh, Gary and Clay for letting us do it. I got to go. I got to take a dog to the damn pound. My brother-in-law just showed up here. Actually, I don't have to take the dog now. He just showed up. He's going to stay here and go fishing all weekend. All right. Dockage out. Thanks. Bye.